Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 64. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that you are doing well. Well, it looks like summer is upon us. And for many of you out there, your kids or grandkids are out of school or soon will be. I hope you have some fun plans for the summer all lined up. For me, we have a community pool, so I foresee lots of pool time in my future. Well, today on the show, we have the segment, What's On My Mind? Now, if you are not familiar with this segment, What's On My Mind is where I get to rant or just talk about something that is on my mind. And then after that, we are going to look at some articles in the process publication. So we have a full show, so let's cut to my favorite music. What's on my mind? Well, today on What's On My Mind, I am talking about instructions for use, IFUs. Now, you're going to need to bear with me here. I have a long, drawn-out story to tell. So, recently, I purchased a boat. Now, don't go judging me, thinking that I have all kinds of boat money. The reality is that I don't got Jerry Jones money. I'm not all fancy-like or bougie. So what I did is I purchased a nine-year-old used bass boat. Again, nothing fancy, just something to get on the water and go fishing. Now, I've been waiting for about 10 years for this boat, and the timing for a boat was never right, okay? Lived in Colorado, not a lot of bass fishing going on in Colorado. Well, I recently moved to Texas, and... Now I literally live two blocks from the lake. Again, that's not bougie. I just live in a community. Just happens to be this near this lake. Now I've heard all the cliches already. Everybody I tell comes up and says, Hey, you know the best two days of owning a boat? The day you buy it and the day you sell it. Oh, okay. That's great. Well, you know, I get it. I get it that boats are uh, a money and time suck, but you know what? That's my problem to deal with, right? My burden to bear. Well, I'm I'm still on this new boat ownership high, so uh, just let me enjoy that. My wife told me the other day she wants to create a meme that says, I wonder if my boat thinks of me more than I think of it. Okay, well, anyway... So I have this new boat. It's new to me, the new to me boat. Never had one, never been responsible for a boat. So like any good sterile processing tech does or should do, I started gathering information or if you will, the IFUs, instructions for use 
about my boat. Now the first thing I did was I went and got the boat registered, got all the titles, you know there's three titles that come with a boat, and got all that information uh, changed, titles in my name, got them all registered, what have you. You know if you have ever experienced changing a title at the DMV, Department of Motor Vehicles, then you know if you don't have your paperwork, if it's not complete, then you've just wasted your time. And most likely you're going to have to return and wait in line and do it all over again. And that's miserable. So so I went and made sure that all my paperwork was correct prior to entering the DMV and the Texas Parks and Wildlife. Now, the next thing I did was I read the Texas Park and Wildlife Water Safety Act, which contains a summary of boating laws. Extremely important. Uh, There were some things that I didn't know. For example, uh, if your boat has a motor kill switch, which apparently they do, not just your jet skis, but if your boat has a motor kill switch, then it must be attached to the operator or the operator's clothing when the vehicle is in motion. I did not know that. Uh, If you have a permanently installed fuel tank, you are required to have a marine fire extinguisher. Vessels under 12 meters are required to have a whistle or a horn, which I do have, which is great. Any violations of these requirements can result in a fine. Now, this sounds similar to me because the same holds true in our sterile processing departments. When you violate a law or during a survey you violate one of your own policies and procedures, the facility can receive fines, right? The laws and recommendations, best practices are there to guide you and your practice. Well, the next thing I did was review the boat instruction manual. Now, it sounds kind of corny, but this is what I did. Now, this gave me the instructions on how to operate the boat and motor. Again, never had a boat before, new to boating, so I read the instructions so I'd know what to do. Now, the boat isn't just a plug-and-play piece of equipment. You know, there are things that need to be understood. For example, how to check oil levels, how to operate the boat. What does trimming the motor do, right? The boat IFUs provided the instructions on how to use and maintain the boat as it was intended. Now, when you have a new washer, sure, you can go ahead and push the start button and most likely the washer is going to run a cycle. But if you don't know where the cleaning chemicals, the solutions go, or which order they go in, then you're going to have some issues, right? If you don't understand which cycles are intended for which instruments, then again, you're going to have some issues. If you don't understand PM requirements or what it takes to operate the machine, then eventually the washer will break. So reading the IFUs are important for the washer and any other devices used in sterile processing. So back to the boat. So I will admit that I did get a little fancy-like with my life jacket. So I'm a firm believer in boater safety. So everyone on the boat, everyone on my boat, Where's the life jacket? Now, I purchased what I call one of these new slimline life jackets. Well, they may not be new, but they're new to me. Uh, This life jacket has essentially a pull tab. 
So kind of like uh, a life jacket that you'd find on an airplane. You know, they have that pull tab. You know, when you hit the water, it, it inflates for you when you pull that tab. Well, uh, when you fold that all up and you're wearing this life jacket, it's a lot less bulky. It's a lot more maneuverable than the standard life jackets that I am previously had experience with. But here's the key. The bonus feature is this life jacket automatically inflates when it's submerged in water, right? So if you're driving along, something happens, you fall out, you hit the water. Once it's submerged, the life jacket automatically inflates. Pretty cool feature, I think. Well, in order to activate this automated feature, I needed to attach the CO2 cartridge. So this meant that I needed to read what did I need to read? The IFUs for the life jacket, right? So the IFUs told me how to activate the life jacket. You know, it told me how the jacket worked. You know, what to do if it was activated. You know, how to reassemble and reactivate the life jacket the next time it's used. It also told me uh, when to replace the safety mechanism. So uh, the life jacket safety mechanism expires every five years and has to be replaced. So all of these key important steps, key important information for my life jacket. This is why the IFUs are so important. The instructions are so important. Again, it allows me to use the item as it was intended. And again, this is all similar to, you know, things that we find in sterile processing like high level disinfectants. Right? You may have to activate your high-level disinfectant solution, or you may have to dilute your cleaning solutions. Right, When you're using enzymatic solutions, you're most likely going to have to dilute that. So the IFUs explain the process. Now you're going to find that most chemicals you use have some sort of operating temperature requirements that must be followed. Uh, most chemicals in uh, sterile processing have an expiration date and procedures for disposing of expired chemicals. All of these instructions, you guessed it, are going to be found in the IFU. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is I use the IFUs to make a process and procedure for using the boat. That way anybody who comes in, there's a list of things you can do. Anybody uh, that wants to use the boat can follow the instructions. So the first thing I did was I made a process and procedure and the first is the initial inspection prior to traveling to the boat ramp. Right, some things you have to do. Uh, you have to check the battery, check the motor oil levels, check the fuel levels. You have to check the truck tow hitch, make sure it's secure and the pin's in place. You have to check the trailer coupler, make sure it is secure and locked in place. You have to check the trailer wiring connections and make sure all the signal lights are working, brake lights, turn lights, hazard lights. Make sure the safety cables, some, some have chains, mine has cables, are hooked up to the truck in case the uh, trailer hitch malfunctions. Are the, is the tire pressure good on the, on the trailer? Are the lug nuts tight? Now, do I have all the life jackets that I need for everybody who's going to be on the boat? There's a motor transom saver that you use when you're traveling. Is it installed? Are the tie-downs secure that hold down the boat? Do I have the boat key? Do I have the drain plug? Do I have the kill switch cable? All of these things are, 
a list of processes that I go through and check prior to leaving to the boat ramp. Now, once I've made it to the boat ramp prior to launching the boat, first thing I do, make sure my drain plug is screwed in place and it's tight. If you don't have that, you're going down. Uh, next thing I do is I remove all the ties on the back. I remove the motor transom saver. Keeps, you know, when you're traveling, keeps it in place. And then I make sure that I have my boat keys and cutoff switches. Make sure all the gear that I want to put on the boat is stored on the boat. And then I remove the winch strap. Now when I'm done fishing, I'm done with the boat, you know, and I'm out of the water, there's some things that I do to make sure that the boat is ready to go. And that's one is remove the drain plug. Drain the bilge tanks because the water collects in the boat. You got to drain all that water out. Replace the motor transom saver so that motor doesn't move around when I'm driving. Replace the tie-down straps. Check the winch and strap. Make sure the boat is secured to the trailer. Check the truck and trailer hitch connections. Check the trailer lights. You know, I follow these procedures every time. And when I do that, I know that I'm going to have a successful outing, right? And I know I'm going to be safe when I'm traveling and driving with the boat. You know, all this information I've used to make my little process and procedures, all that information was given to me in the IFUs. And then I was able to apply them to my practice with a written procedure list. You know, the same holds true for the equipment in our department. Follow the IFUs. Make sure you're reading the IFUs and then you're making operating procedures, policies, processes. They're all incorporated from the information that is found in your IFUs. So there you go. There's your lesson. We've, we've brought IFUs into your boating lesson today. And that is going to do it for this segment of What's On My Mind. Alright, so thank you for indulging me on my boat references there. Um, but since we're talking about IFUs, I wanted just to expand a little bit on that segment. You know, talk a little bit more about some IFUs from some other industry experts. I found this article in the process uh, publication from the November-December 2020 issue and the title is strategies for optimizing compliance with manufacturers instructions okay so another article that's just going to expound on the ifus we're talking about today so the learning objectives discuss the importance of following manufacturers instructions for use explore methods to help secure compliance with instructions for use and then review how leveraging technology can ensure compliance with instructions for use. So the article reads, When surveyors visit sterile processing departments, they inspect the processes to ensure team members are following 
manufacturer's instructions for use. Often when team members are decontaminating instruments, the surveyor will quiz the technician on their knowledge. Sterile processing leaders have trained their staff to uh, go online or find a, the IFU logbook to pull up the information and show surveyors to demonstrate compliance with the IFUs. Decontamination and assembly area walls are often covered in posters and signage that outline steps for difficult to process instruments. Now this may be true in your department. Technicians may ask, why do we place so much focus and attention on IFUs? And why do they matter? Well, sterile processing professionals should ensure that the IFUs are being consistently followed every day, not just when there is a surveyor in the building. Now, this article will address how IFUs can be operationalized into sterile processing departments to ensure instruments are processed safely and properly to ensure clean functioning instruments for every patient. Now the first objective here discuss the importance of following those instructions. Well the US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, requires devices intended to be sterilized by users before use to be properly labeled with adequate information for a suitable method of sterilization and precautions or safeguards to be followed. This includes special cleaning methods required, changes in physical characteristics of the device that may result from reprocessing, which affects its safety, effectiveness, or importance, and limits on the number of times re-sterilization and reuse can be done without affecting the safety or effectiveness of the device. The FDA requires manufacturers of reusable medical devices to have labeling that bears adequate directions for use, including instructions on preparing a device for use. The labeling should include materials and equipment and parameters to adequately process the device. Device manufacturers must perform testing to demonstrate that the reprocessing instructions are valid, complete and understandable, and can reasonably be implemented by the user. Now, according to the FDA, the end user, that's us, sterile processing professionals, are responsible for following the validated reprocessing instructions in the device labeling. End users are also required to ensure they have the needed facilities and equipment and easy access to manufacturer supply cleaning and disinfection agents and sterilization methods to implement the instructions. Now, end users must also ensure that the instructions are followed. So over the past several years, innovation has exponentially exploded in the surgical field. Devices are becoming highly complex in design and more difficult to process. This innovation growth has outpaced sterile processing in terms of volume, competency, and process innovation. This disconnection has led to several device failures surgical site infections, and significant regulatory compliance issues nationwide. According to the Joint Commission, each patient care item has its own IFU for cleaning, disinfection, and the expectation is that the organization will follow these instructions. Failure to follow such instructions for use creates significant risk to safety, quality care, 
and sterile processing departments are being surveyed thoroughly to ensure surgical instruments are safe to use and they are expected by regulatory agencies to follow those manufacturers' instructions for use. Unfortunately, departments continue to struggle with compliance and need to implement processes and educational systems to ensure IFUs and processes are consistently followed to safely process instruments every day. Failing to process instruments in accordance with the methods that the device manufacturer validated and the FDA approved puts patients at risk for device failure and infections from improperly cleaned devices. Failure to follow IFUs causes patient harm. Now many organizations have moved to an online database repository to house their manufacturer's IFUs. These repositories can serve as a safety net when surveyors ask sterile processing professionals to show the IFUs. Technicians can quickly pull from the IFU from that database, provide it to the surveyor, and then demonstrate that they are following the indicated steps as listed in the document. Instrument specialists should periodically perform self-audits to help ensure proficiency. Now those self-audits should include questions such as, do you typically perform all steps listed? Do you time your soaking, brushing, flushing, and sonication steps as required by most manufacturers? Are your decontamination chemicals approved by the device manufacturer? Do your washer parameters match those listed in the document? Are your instruments lubricated with a proper lubricant or not lubricated as required? Are all the inspection steps completed in the assembly area, including installation testing or other inspection steps defined by the device manufacturer? Do all the instruments on your tray have the same cleaning steps and sterilization parameters? Do your sterilization parameters meet the requirements from the device manufacturer? Does the device manufacturer limit the number of uses or reprocessing cycles? If so, are you tracking the utilization? Although database repository systems provide easy access to IFUs, they are not the final solution. IFUs must be available, but they must also be operationalized. In day-to-day -day reprocessing, technicians must be able to follow the instructions for use from every device manufacturer for every instrument every time. Now this can be a daunting expectation given the complexity of the instruments and the sheer volume of different manufacturers and devices in a typical sterile processing department. Now some common tactics for operationalizing IFUs include those wall charts we talked about, uh, their flip books, competencies. For highly complex, difficult to process, specialized instrumentation, the device manufacturer will often provide a wipeable wall chart to position over the reprocessing area. Flexible endoscopes, robotic instrumentation, and power equipment are some excellent examples of when these wall charts can be useful. 
Wall charts with step-by-step -step reprocessing instructions can be located over the sink and assembly workstations. Wall charts with step-by-step -step reprocessing instructions can be located over the sink and assembly workstations, giving the technician a direct view of the process step-by-step -step to improve compliance with the reprocessing instructions. In organizations with computers at sinks and workstations, the wall charts can be added to the instrument tracking system to be displayed when the tray is scanned or pulled up from a search bar. It is important to note that in large departments, technicians can process thousands of types of instrumentation. There's not enough wall space for all those IFUs to be displayed. So large amounts of wall charts quickly become overwhelming and essentially ineffective. For complex and difficult to process instruments like those flexible endoscopes and robotic and power equipment, or vendor trays, maybe laparoscopic instruments, organizations will typically provide staff training and competencies to ensure employees are trained and validated to process the instruments. This process typically has multiple modalities of training and competency verification. For example, an educator from the device manufacturer educates the sterile processing staff on how to clean, inspect, and sterilize the instruments following the IFUs. After training, the team is given a copy of the IFU to read and a quiz to verify that they understood the process. After the knowledge-based competency is complete, the sterile processing educator or subject matter expert will complete a direct observation competency for each technician to confirm they are able to operationalize the process effectively. Now this process is followed for new instruments before they are put into service and for complex instruments either biannually or annually. This is an effective system for evaluating knowledge and abilities of sterile processing technicians. However, it does not solve the problem of how to operationalize IFUs. Sterile processing departments process thousands of instruments. You know, we already talked about that. And they are typically unable to complete effective in-servicing training and competencies on each type of instrument. Competency validation alone does not ensure sterile processing technicians are able to memorize the steps and follow the steps precisely every time. Process drift often occurs, and processes become further and further from the validated, safe and effective methods of instrument processing. Organizations may mitigate the risk of failing to follow IFUs by implementing online database repositories, wall charts, and training systems. However, these systems are not 100% effective because of process drift and the pure volume and complexity of instruments coming through sterile processing. These systems may help pass a survey successfully, and they are good systems to put in place, but they're not enough to ensure that instruments are functional and safe to use on every patient. So more can be done. Manufacturers' IFUs can change over time. Devices come to market with a validated process but because of manufacturing changes or new information identified by the manufacturer or FDA, manufacturers may conduct 
new validation testing and update those IFUs. What this means for sterile processing professionals is that they must not only implement the process when the new device comes into the organization, but also have a process in place for updating the process if the IFUs change. If the organization uses that online repository for maintaining IFUs, generally by that third-party vendor, then sterile processing should ensure these databases stay current. The department should have a policy in place to check IFUs for updates and a process to ensure the IFU changes are operationalized. Manufacturers' IFUs should be current and easy accessible to the point of processing. IFUs should be available at the decontamination sinks to ensure all cleaning processes are timed and followed exactly as required. IFUs should be at the assembly workstations to ensure inspection steps and approved packing methods are followed. Additionally, IFUs should be accessible at sterilization and high-level disinfection locations to ensure all weight restrictions and parameters are validated and approved to ensure that those modalities are achieved as required by the device manufacturer. Now, by leveraging technology, the IFUs can be operationalized every time. Instrument tracking systems have the capability to integrate with the IFUs. The instructions can be manually uploaded or integrated to ensure they are tied to each device in the system. Timers can be set for each IFU in the tracking system to trigger the departments to check for the updates to the IFU. Instrument tracking systems are capable of having workflows built into the system to follow the IFU exactly. When an instrument tray is scanned into the decontamination area, the workflow can take the technician through all the steps required by the device manufacturer to ensure all the steps are documented. On the assembly side, a workflow can trigger a boroscope inspection or insulation test if required by the manufacturer. Instruments and trays can be set with only the validated sterilization parameters allowed to ensure instruments are always sterilized on the appropriate cycle and with the biological indicator if required. Weight limits can be added to a sterilization cycle to match the sterilization manufacturer's IFUs. More advanced systems can integrate IFUs with the tracking system to create automated workflows and match IFUs precisely. Advanced systems can integrate IFUs with tracking systems to create an automated workflow matching the IFUs precisely. Leveraging instrument tracking systems and operationalizing IFUs can be built to the path to compliance and reduce the risk of patient harm. However, a competency process and audit process are still needed to ensure technicians are not drifting from the proper processes. Instrument tracking systems can be set with competencies for instruments. If an employee attempts to process a tray for which they have not completed a competency, the system will not allow them to proceed. The system can trigger a subject matter expert to complete a direct observation competency and approve them to process the instrument. The system can require multiple direct observations or repeat of the direct observation at the time interval for the sterile processing technician to continue 
process if they instrument. The system will trigger a subject matter expert to complete a direct observation competency and approve them to process the instrument. The system can require multiple observations or a repeat of the direct observation at a time interval for the sterile processing technician to continue to process the instrument. For example, a flexible endoscope. A new employee may have to process it five times with a subject matter expert's direct observation before being able to process it, it on their own. Then the system can be set up to require direct observation every six months to ensure competency is maintained and the processes stay consistent. An effective routine audit process will ensure that there is no process drift. Instrument specialists can and should self-audit routinely. However, proactive auditing should be performed routinely on high-risk instrumentation. For example, shavers should be routinely audited to ensure channels are being cleaned in strict accordance with the device manufacturer's requirements and the boroscope inspection is completed if required. Instrument tracking systems can be leveraged to set up routine audits. A high-risk tray can be set to trigger a check after the process cycle in extreme cases or after every five reprocessing cycles, for example. The organization will have to evaluate the risk and set a frequency. The audit should be used as a routine process monitoring system to ensure there are no process drifts and to quickly implement remedial interventions if the manufacturer's IFUs are not being followed. In conclusion, by leveraging technology, it becomes possible to effectively operationalize IFUs. An effective system can ensure current IFUs are built into the operational workflows. Competencies can be integrated into systems to ensure all staff are trained and current on the required processes. And proactive auditing can also be integrated to ensure the implemented processes continue to be consistently followed. So that was a really good article. It took a while, but really good information on IFUs and how to follow them. Uh, there are also some other information. There's another article. I'm not going to get it to today because we don't have time, but it's titled Raising the Bar, New Standards for IFU Development. And that is in the process publication uh, May, June 20. 21. Another good article about IFUs talks about the FDA and the current ISO and AMI standards. So if you want to learn more about IFUs, I suggest you check out that article. Again, it's Raising the Bar, New Standards for IFU Development. And again, May, June 2021 issue of Process. Well, that music means only one thing, and that is our time is up for this episode. HSPA, we are closing the books on episode number 64. Thanks for listening to the show. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log in to the MyHSPA website, and make sure to use the code LIFEJACKET. Again, the code for this episode is LIFEJACKET. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month.
Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. And as always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.